Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we are talking about season seven, episode six of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Best Served Cold. And all I have to say about this one, girl, what the fuck? There is so much here that is so indicative of what makes season seven the way that it is. And there are things I've been waiting to be able to talk to you about. This is a spoiler that I really wanted to protect. um, And I'm glad I did because... And not just like there's just so many presidents like, what are we doing here? This is also, I should mention, the beginning of the Julian chapter. Yes. And I mean, we can talk about Julian more at length, but what a dud of a villain. I mean, he's not even scary. He's not particularly sexy. He's not particularly scary. And he's not particularly interesting. He's just kind of obnoxious and my main thesis this episode is it was not hard to kill him. I don't know why he's not dead by the end of this episode. Season one, Stefan and Damon would have killed this dude. Already. Well, that's the thing. He is, in essence, just a vampire. Yeah. I think we would be better suited making the heretics more villains. Or we were doing fine with Lily. Yeah, build Lily up a little more because at least Lily. But is, now all you know. of a sudden Lily wants peace. Yeah. Her motivations are completely untraceable. And Julian, I mean, it's well, it's so confusing because she is manipulating everyone. And it seems that Julian has her fooled, but he's not even manipulating her. But also what's interesting, this is what is so like confounding about this relationship is Lily seems to be like in control of Julian. He seems to be like really wanting to make sure that she thinks he's good, but he's also like keeping secrets from her and she's also fooled by him. So it's like, who's got the power here? It's both of you and neither of you. Who's fooling who? And like, Because Lily's definitely manipulating him, but I don't think he's manipulating her. Like, he's definitely lying to her. He's not being manipulative. He's It's not like there's that much thought there. They both think they're in love with each other, and it would make more sense if one of them was, like, using the other, but it doesn't seem like they are. Yeah. They seem, like, just truly into each other, which, like, good for them, but it's like, okay, then why are they not on the same page? Why are they then not two queens maximizing their joint sleigh? Yeah. Why are they not unified in their villainous goals? You were both in different versions of hell for a hundred years. You fought to get back to each other and you won't even have sex? Literally. Like, wait, what, is the, what is the vibe here? You're the dad of the heretics, but you also kind of hate them. It seems like your bestie is Bo. And it bears mentioning that it's not that Lily is without options. She could be hooking up with Enzo and yeah. she picks Julian. Who Enzo, by the way, looking hotter every day. Yeah, and it's it's this Julian that she's picking? This is the yeah. Julian. Are you sure you got the right one, girl? Girl. Anyway, and that's not even all of it. There's a big thing we're going to talk about. We'll get into it right in the first scene. But yeah. anyway, lots to get into this week. But before we get into it, here's a quick ad. I'll start, as always, by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. After being reunited with her former love, Julian, Lily hosts a dinner party to introduce... Dinner party is not what I'd call it. (laughs) There was no dinner served. Just past apps. Just cold cuts. (laughs) Just meat and cheese spirals, apparently. But but they were decadent, so that makes it dinner. (laughs) Well, Julian said they were decadent. He hasn't eaten in 100 years. (laughs) I think a carrot stick is decadent to him. He used to eat fucking salt pork. (laughs) I bet salami's decadent. Anyway, Lily hosts a dinner party to introduce him to Damon and Stefan and to declare peace between her family of heretics and the residents of Mystic Falls. Mind you, no residents of Mystic Falls are at this party. 
It's just residents of neighboring towns, but okay. Damon and Stefan find themselves at an impasse when they realize they have differing views on how to handle Julian's arrival. Which is, you have the same goal, whatever, we'll talk about. I can't keep getting off track in this synopsis. (laughs) At the party, Bonnie and Matt uncover a strange mystery involving some unsuspecting residents, while a devastating revelation causes Alaric to reach his breaking point. Caroline and Enzo also appear. They have major parts in the episode. Why do they not get included? They're both parts of major couples right now. Caroline one, we need to get her out of there, but it's pain it's pain what's happening with Caroline right now. But let's get into that. We start the episode three years from now. And we are in Alaric's house. We don't know where it is, um, officially, but but it seems pretty clear it's Dallas. Yeah, but we can assume it's Dallas. There's some like drawings on the wall, like kids' drawings, because as we know, Alaric has two daughters in the flash forward. Mm-hmm. And if you'll notice, actually, the drawings have four people in them. I was noticing it. I was like, who are they drawing? Yeah. Damon says, so tell me, what goes through a man's mind before he decides, I think I'll take the ones with the boosters. He's referring to like dish towels. And Rick says, I didn't pick those out. So the first thing you said is who did? I said who did. And, you know, Caroline, you pissed me off here in a number of ways. But I do love roosters in the kitchen. I, I can't hate you. Can't hate you on that front. Had great taste in a home. Because up to this point, you were under the impression that Alaric was single dadding it. How wrong you were. Or potentially Miss Florence, Joe, had somehow fallen in love with him. It, it got worse. It got yeah. significantly worse very quickly. It certainly did. Damon says, oh, hang on. There's glitter. And Rick says, yeah, it goes with the territory. What do you want, Damon? And Damon says, when's the last time you talked to your fiance? It's like, oh, fiance. Who's that? Yeah. Rick says, I see word travels fast. She texted earlier today. Why? Damon says, what time was it and what did she say? And Rick says, 1218, do we need bread? Pretty generic woman stuff at this point. Yeah, no information quite yet. And then Damon says, she's not answering her phone now, which is interesting that Damon has been essentially desiccating for three years and knows her enough to have her phone number. I didn't clock that right away. And then Rick says, yeah, well, she doesn't like to answer the phone before a broadcast. And Stephanie, you could I could see the realization <laughs> dawn on your face. I was like, oh, no, no. Said, that can't be. We know one person who that could relate to, and that can't possibly be his fiance. Maybe this is Caroline's boss. <laughs> Dare to dream. Damon says, I don't care. Get her on the horn. Stefan's being hunted again. It's only a matter of time before Caroline's the bait that's used to lure him out. And it's like, oh, so so it is Caroline. I will say when this got said, I was like, OK, what else could this mean? <laughs> Surely there must be something else. Because I was like, maybe they're trying to trick us. And then it, it was like, no, no, I need to be serious. I think I know exactly what it means. I think it was pretty straightforward, unfortunately. Rick says move because he sees the TV is on. Caroline is on the screen with a head wound. And she says, we apologize for the interruption to your current program. My name is Caroline. I'm a segment producer for KQBC News. Please listen carefully. I have an urgent message for Stefan Salvatore. And Damon says, oh, well, I guess the old ball and chain won't make it home for dinner after all, will she? So by the end of the scene, it is pretty conclusively clear that in the three-year time jump, Caroline and Alaric are engaged to be married. I want to bring up a couple things here. Number one, when we first learned that Caroline had a fiance, you said, if it's Matt, I'm going to kill myself. And I laughed to myself because I said, it's so much worse than Matt. I wish it was fucking Matt. I literally wrote in my notes. I'm like, now I wish it was Matt. Literally. Matt, I'm so sorry that I said that to you. 
I'm so sorry, Matt. I didn't know how bad it could be. Matt, Matt, come back. Come, come back. back. The kids miss you. Marilyn. Marilyn, I'm now shipping you third. I'm doing bargaining with Julie Pluck. I'm like, fine, I'll take Marilyn. <laughs> Just don't make me do this. I also want to bring up, we did talk about Matt Davis's many transgressions with young women. And this was the storyline that I was waiting for to bring it up. But we brought it up earlier. If you haven't listened to our Matt Davis episode, it's somewhere in our Because it, it seems like at this point, you know, from the, the Matt Davis mini-sode knowledge that I got from that, seems like at this point that wasn't like a secret. Yeah. So this feels like they almost like rewarded him. Yeah, like fine, you you can be engaged to one of the young ones. Like at least, you know, they didn't put him with one of the girls he wrote the threesome fanfic about. But this isn't better. What is your immediate reaction to this news other than no, please God, no? My only solace by the end of this episode. I mean, and at this point, the only thing I'm thinking, and this is insane that I'm thinking, but I was like, please don't let them ever have had sex. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, uh, that is the one thing I want to, I just don't want them to have touched each other. By the end, we know the babies are already in there. They didn't have sex to have the babies. So my only solace is like that they decided co-parenting was the most realistic thing for these children. That it's more of a, a marriage of convenience and less, and that they're not in love with each they're other. They're not like in love in the same way, which but- I think is wishful thinking on my part. Does that seem on brand that either of them would get married to someone they don't love? It seems like they would like trick themselves into thinking this was love based on the children. Sure. Because I would think Caroline would want to care for these children. And, you know, I've been saying I've seen clips of Caroline pregnant on this show. There was a time when I thought that was Klaus's baby. This is a reason I was actually so excited we made it to this episode without you connecting these dots because you did know Caroline, you knew Candace King was pregnant. Yeah. And you knew about the time frame, like that yeah. it was probably soon. And you did not connect the dots that it's a Lyric's babies because, you know, it was magical transfer. How could you? But yeah. I'm, I think if there was enough time, you would have been able to get there, but you didn't. Yeah. I just, I really wasn't there. Even, and you made this point last season. You said, why do you think a Lurk would name a baby Elizabeth after Elizabeth Forbes? Yeah. And I was like, that's just his friend. Nope. Nope. Not just. It got worse. It, it got worse significantly yeah this is <sighs> i understand well i understand in a time jump you need to shuffle couples around you need to do something crazy we didn't need to do this julie Th- that's my thing i understand candace king got pregnant you had to change the storyline i understand even the magical transfer of the babies yeah keep the babies alive whatever the yeah fuck. they didn't have to be engaged julie they could just be co-parents with different fucking fiancés you literally could have done the co-parenting thing because you're already doing this storyline where Stefan wishes he had a fucking kid. And this is my other point, which I was going to say for later, but I'll say it now because it's coming up. This is my other major problem with the Stefan and Valerie storyline is with the babies, there's enough of a sterile obstacle. We don't fucking need Valerie. The babies are a much more interesting and frankly necessary obstacle. Yeah. For this couple to deal with. Why is Valerie a fucking problem? Why bring another baby into the mix, period? Two magical babies are enough. I mean, I guess that baby wasn't magical at the time, but for all intents and purposes, magical. I mean, this just pissed me off. And if they they make me watch them kiss, I can't even say I'm going to kill myself because you'd have to hold me to it because I know they're going to make me do that. I just couldn't stop laughing when you said, if it's Matt, I'm going to kill myself. 
And I said, oh, "Oh, you're going to you're going to eat those words. You're going to wish it was Matt. She does not know what she's in for. She has no idea. There's literally no one I would less want her to have as a fiance. There is literally no worse character on this show. I would sooner want Caroline to honestly be engaged to Julian. Because at least then maybe maybe they fell in love. Like because at least Julian wasn't her history teacher. Klaus, we need you. Come back. This is the double-edged sword of Joseph Morgan's incredible charisma. If you had been, uh, if you had been a little bit less of a star, we could have had Claroline. But no, you had to go get your own fucking spinoff. It really is. It's that sound that's like President Trump. President Trump. That's me to Klaus. Like, please, I need you to come back and save, save me. The kids miss you. We can't do this anymore. I'm so serious. I love Candace King with all my heart. I wish she would leave this show and go beyond the originals if this is what we're fucking doing. Yeah, it's also, I think, this is another, like, Julie Plack problem, which is, at the heart of it, racism, is Julie Plack loves to put Candace King with, like, every possible couple because clearly to Julie Plack, like, Caroline is, like, especially once Elaine leaves, Caroline is, like, Mm -hmm. the most desirable female lead when Bonnie is right there and she just treats Bonnie like, we'll stick her with whoever. And Julie Plack famously does get along with Matt Davis. Obviously, I mean, or else she wouldn't have put him on the fucking spinoff legacies. Yeah. It's just, it's just icky, icky, icky. There's no, there is no way you could make me ship this. No way. No way. And you know what? I'll, and we've, we've said on if, Mike before, we'll say it again. We're Ezra shippers. A teacher-student I, problem, that will not like immediately turn us off. But this, there's something wrong about this. And there's something wrong. I mean, there's something wrong period about it. There's something dastardly here. I would rather she be engaged to Damon. I would rather literally anyone. Yes, literally anyone else. Story-wise, it's stupid and it's weird. And then we remember that Matt Davis is creepy, which had to be something Julie Pleck knew at this point. Yeah. It's getting concerning, Queen. I mean, and Candace and Matt Davis still hang out. So, like, clearly Candace doesn't have issues with Matt Davis. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that it's not, like, something like Candace was forced into, but... That's another color that it's like, oh, so he does get to date, you know, and she's not a high schooler anymore, but he does get to date one of his former students. That's great. One of the really young ones. Awesome. The age appropriate love interest got killed off and they said, that's enough. We're done finding age appropriate love interests for him. It's also like you kill, you had an age appropriate love interest. She was pregnant. She was going to have babies. You still want the babies, but you said, get the old bitch out of here. Yeah. We got to put those babies in a young one. Which, uh, again, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe, not old. But that's the vibe you're giving me, guys. But in terms of the Vampire Diaries, geriatric. Yeah. Okay. Still younger than Matt Davis's fucking wrinkly ass. Matt Davis, when I see you in the streets. Once this starts happening, it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do this like, to me. I am I will always be a Vampire Diaries fan, but I can't do this. I don't fuck with Valerie. I haven't been fucking with the heretics. But you know what? I was like, it's Okay. I'll get into it. I'll, there'll be something. This? No, this is an issue. This is bad. This is a problem for me. You thought Enzo and Lily was a bad couple. I'm sitting here. Well, I'll get into this. I don't fuck with Julian either. I was watching the Julian Lily scene. I was like, let's get Enzo kissing her, okay? Yeah, like, literally. Who was designing these couples? I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Was Nina Dobrev in the, in the writer's room? I'm legitimately asking. Because it has gone so far down so fast. We are yeah. in, mind you, what? What is this? Episode five? It's, it's episode six. It's episode six of this season. How far we have fallen. Actually, the only reasonable reaction is what the fuck. Julie Pleck, I already have beef with you because of Cat Graham, and I will continue to do so. But this, 
girl, you're all that goodwill you built writing the fuck out of season two. You're losing it. You're losing me. So then we go into the present day. But first, we're in the woods. It's obviously a fucking dream because there's 1860s. Stefan is there and we can tell because he's got the old timey clothes and hair. And yeah. he's with a little boy. It's sepia toned. And it's like, here we fucking go with this. It's pretty obvious this is a, his dream of his son, which this is one of my beefs with like shows like this all the time. Could have been a fucking daughter, but whatever. This is also my beef with, and we talked a little bit about this in season six, particularly with like Elena's desire to be a mother. You're a vampire. You can adopt a child tomorrow if you want a kid so bad. Stefan has never, ever expressed any interest in having a child. And I think yeah. it's a larger thing of like, but when people are older, they want children and it's normal. And it's like, Stefan does not want a fucking child. That's not the life he lives. He wants to move cities every five fucking years. Well, it's it's like the classic teen drama thing that yeah. they're in high school, but then the show is popular, so they have to leave high school. Yeah, And they do that in a number of ways, however they choose to do it. And then as soon as they get through the get to the end, it's like, okay, who's who's having a baby? We got to show that they're done being teens now. And it's like, you know, some people wait longer than till 22 to have babies, but okay. Well, and also Stefan's 165 or something is like, oh, he's done being a teen now. Really? He went to high school at 162. Is he done? And here's something, Stefan, start with the hamster. I really think you need to think critically about your abilities as a parent. And I mean that with all the love in the world, yeah. but like, let's start with a hamster. If that works, move up to a cat. If that works, dog. And then if that works, try another dog and then another dog. And then try a dog that requires a lot of care, an elderly yeah. dog that requires a lot of medication. And if you love that, congratulations, sure. you can have a baby. Go get a baby. Because look, if you were actually human and you had to move quickly, sure, try just one dog before you get a baby. But if you're a vampire, you can wait forever. Let's take a couple turns at it, okay? Yeah. So Stefan is sitting with his son in the woods and hands him a gun. Okay, so there we, we go. We're Father of the year. Father of the year. <laughs> he says, here, uh, hold this gun. The first thing you want to do is bite the paper off the cartridge like this. Okay, hand me that ramrod. I want you to do it. Like, push it all the way down. So he's loading a gun in, like an old-timey way. And the kid's name is Jacob. So Jacob says, how far away can it shoot? And Stefan says, you see that tree over there with the bark falling off? And Jacob says, no. And Stefan says, pretty far then, huh? So he's supposed to shoot at a target he can't see? Awesome. It was a different time in the 1860s. <laughs> Jacob says, can I shoot it? And Stefan says, I don't know. Think you're old enough? I don't know. Can you? <laughs> yeah, no, can you? <laughs> Jacob says, I'm 11. And Stefan says, I was 12 when I shot my first gun. Jacob says, dad, I can do it. And Stefan says, think so? And Jacob says, yeah. So that's the reveal that he's calling Stefan dad. And it's like, okay. Okay, so we're doing this. Stefan says, okay, let's go find ourselves a deer. Come on. They walk into the woods a little bit. Stefan holds up the gun. And he starts looking for a deer. And he says, the trick is to never take your eye off the target. Of course, in doing so, he took the eye off his son. Mm -hmm. And so he says, got that? And then he turns, but Jacob has disappeared mysteriously. Great parenting. And he's yelling, Jacob, Jacob. So we know his name is Jacob. What a stupid fucking name. Jacob Salvatore. Come on. I, that's just all I had to say on that. No, I agree with that. I think it's a weird name. That's not the biggest issue I have this week, but it is. It is worth mentioning. <laughs> We go over to the Lockwood house. Stefan is asleep on the couch and he wakes up and Caroline says, hey, just me. By the way, who's Jacob? The name you were yelling. Stefan says, oh, must have been a bad dream. So still still keeping that secret, huh? Awesome. And Caroline says, well, you're probably having a bad dream because you're sleeping on the couch. <laughs> what are you doing down here? And then Valerie comes in in a towel 
and says, that would be my fault. I just wanted to let you know I used the last of the shampoo. Number one, you can put your clothes on before you come down and say that. Number yeah. two, your hair isn't wet. So when did you use the shampoo? Yeah. How long have you been sitting in this towel waiting for Stefan to wake up? Yeah. I know it's a TV show and they can't have wet hair, but I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, they could have wet hair. It could just suspiciously dry fast. Yeah. Or say I use the last of the body wash. There are options here. Yeah, literally. Caroline says, oh, Valerie, I didn't know you were staying here. And Stefan says, stayed, past tense, just one night. And Valerie says, I should go put some clothes on. And Caroline says, yeah, you do that. Caroline's like, yeah, you should, whore. Like, you should have done it before you came down here the first time. How serious do you think shampoo is? Like, come on. It's not time sensitive. Valerie goes and Caroline says, okay, well, explain that, please. And Stefan says, okay, Lily wants to raise Julian from the dead. Valerie tried to scorch his body before she could get her hands on him, and that did not work out so well. And Caroline says, yeah, I'm not following how that's our problem. Me either, queen. She's like, okay, why would I give a fuck? Why didn't she burn him right? She said, I heard three names of people I don't give a fuck about. So... Mm And Stefan says, well, if and when Lily welcomes Julian back into his body, he will find out what Valerie did and come after her. Caroline says, yeah, I'm just not connecting those dots, to be honest. Yeah, Caroline said, uh, sounds like Valerie's issue. And if he's going to come after her, why is she staying at the place where you're living? She's like, well, that sucks for Valerie. Anyway, Stefan says, well, maybe you can just trust me that I know what I'm doing. I have another idea, Stefan. How about you be honest with your girlfriend? Yes, Stefan, how about you trust your girlfriend enough to tell her about a major life event that you just have discovered? But Caroline takes this in stride and she says, oh, so what you're saying is Valerie needs to disappear. New name, new job, country in a separate hemisphere. And while this is a benefit to Caroline, this is a reasonable pitch because Stefan did say Valerie's just staying here for one night. Stefan said Valerie's in danger. It stands to reason that Valerie should leave fucking town. Well, like... Again, if she's in danger, why put yourselves in danger protecting her? And, you know, Stefan's answer is she once carried my baby. But Caroline doesn't have that information. So she's like, okay, she can go then. Yeah. Let her be free. Stefan says, no. And Caroline says, you just said she's in danger. I mean, if I need to drive her to the airport myself, I will do that. She said, I'm nice. Caroline is so kind. She says, unless you have a problem with that. And then she kisses him. She's like, you know what? I'll be sexy then if this is if you're not going to be a reasonable person. She said, fine, I can pull this out. He says, oh, I like this form of manipulation. Then be manipulated. Yeah. Get Valerie out of here. Bye-bye, Mystic Falls. Bye-bye, Valerie. Bye. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> or do. Or do. I don't give a fuck what happens to you. <laughs> yeah. So they kiss. And then Valerie comes in and clears her throat. Girl, could you give it a minute? First, okay, so you took... I'll be pretty fair, at least 30 minutes in your towel while your hair dried and curled to bring the shampoo down. Then you go up to get dressed and that takes you two fucking seconds. Literally. (laughs) What timeline are you operating on, bitch? And I mean, again, like, let them catch up. You can eavesdrop. You're a vampire. Let them kiss for 10 minutes, maybe. But no, she comes in and she clears her throat. And Valerie says, whatever we're doing, we should do it fast. What do you mean we? This is what are we all a team? I'm not in danger. Yeah, you're the one who tried to scorch some guy who already hates you. I'll drive you the first 30 minutes, then you're on your own, bitch. Book a plane ticket on the way to the airport. See ya. It's on phones now, girl. Valerie says the Phoenix Stone turns people mad, and Julian's soul's been in it for over 100 years. So anywhere he is, I need to be as far away as possible. Mind you, this whole episode, Julian does not seem at all concerned with where Valerie is. Yeah, like he's annoyed at her, but he's not hunting her down. Well, also because Lily already kicked Valerie out. Valerie's not a threat to anything that he's doing. 
Yeah. He's not like hunting down to kill Valerie. And I'm not totally sure why Valerie thinks he would be. Well, if she really thought that, why would she not have like woken up early and left? Like, why'd you sleep in, hang out? Because she wants to be with Stefan more than anything else. She's such a fucking bitch. At least be honest about it. We go over to the Salvatore house. Julian and Bo are fencing. I'm glad Bo has someone to hang with. I'm glad to see Bo in a scene because you know me. I'm I'm waiting for Bo. Number one Bo stan. Yeah. Julian says, see, Bo, fencing it has got to flow like a conversation. I speak, you listen, I speak some more, they fence, whatever. And they're doing like the vampire jumps and stuff while they fence. It's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. We got it. They're playing like so some, fun. Some upbeat music. Uh, Julian says, you've improved. Well done, friend. And then Lily says, gentlemen, our backyard's not big enough. Well, it's not your backyard. Yeah. Julian says, Bo insisted, didn't you, friend? And Bo makes a face like, I didn't say shit. (laughs) I was like, I'm just hanging out. I got nothing else to do. Lily says, take it outside, please. And Julian says, well, you heard this ridiculously attractive woman. And Bo leaves because he says, that's my mom. Yeah. Lily says, you're suspiciously cheery. I don't think being cheery when you've been risen from the dead is suspicious. Well, especially if, you know, you were in essentially hell yeah Yeah, i'd be in a good damn mood (laughs) yeah i'd be dancing off the walls baby i'd be fencing too lily says are you sure you shouldn't still be in bed and julian says my love i need to be on my feet again i spent the last 100 years on my back so unless you make an offer that i cannot refuse and they make out because he's implying like bitch get on top (laughs) bitch I'm not doing the work here. I'm laying down. (laughs) Lily says, okay, that is tempting, but I have another idea. He says, I like it already. And they kiss again. She says, no, we're not having sex today. She says, we have enemies here. Julian says, oh, you mean Valerie. And (laughs) Lily says, that name is not to be uttered in this house. Me, whenever I'm talking about the Vampire Diaries. (laughs) Lily says, I'm referring to my sons. And Julian says, what the what? Your sons are alive? No one told him this, which does bring up the question of when he died or if they just didn't share this information with him because lily knew her sons were alive yeah by the time they went to the prison world and they said he's been dead since 1903 maybe he just never maybe he either didn't get told that or he didn't commit it to memory because he doesn't give a fuck about those he sons. Said, don't care didn't ask or maybe he's surprised that as vampires they lasted this long yeah he's like well they sound stupid so i bet they'll die pretty quick yeah and you know what <laughs> that's fair enough yeah Julian says, okay, I have some catching up to do. And Lily says, my thoughts exactly. We go over to the Lockwood house. Bo rings the doorbell and he's got an envelope. Stefan answers the door, takes the envelope and closes the door. No, thank you. No, hey, how are you? And Bo heads out. Bo's got other deliveries to make today, apparently. Bo's like, apparently I'm the post office now. So the the question is, is like Bo going out and compelling everybody? Because he can't speak. Well, you know, since we're already shitting on Julie Pleck, you know that this family of heretics has like a staff. They have staff at this party and they make the one black heretic go deliver letters. I just think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting that, I mean, and this is not like the only time Bo is doing like. Oh, he does it again later in the episode. He does it like three more times. So it's like, so you made one black heretic. He never speaks and he basically just runs errands for people. Yeah, he runs more errands than Enzo. And Enzo's like auditioning to be in the group still. It's like hazing for Enzo. It's just something that is weird. Damon grabs the envelope and opens it, and he reads, Lily Salvatore requests your presence to celebrate our town's peaceful spirit and introduce a new friend. This evening, five o'clock. And he says, looks like mom raised her man crush from the dead. And I get, like, we have this party to have the plot this episode. I wouldn't go to this. Yeah, it's like, no, I don't 
and also to celebrate our town's peaceful spirit. What peaceful spirit is that? This town is empty. And you directly contributed to that. Yeah, you're a major reason for that. We go over to Alaric's apartment. Alaric is watching and re-watching his wedding video. He watches the vows and then rewinds right before she gets stabbed. And then he gets a call from Bonnie. And Bonnie says, hey, do you remember when we used an ancient relic to raise your wife from the dead and ended up imbuing her with someone else's soul? And Rick says, why are you calling me? (laughs) And Bonnie says, because I'm at Skullbur, where Fojo is currently holding a laptop like a book. And you can see she is doing that. It's accurate. It's silly. It's, you know. Enchanted baloney, as it Enchanted baloney, as it is. Well, she doesn't fucking know because she's by herself. Like, yeah. why did he let her go there alone? Bonnie says, you promised you'd help her figure out who she was before she did anything crazy. And he says, yeah. And every time I look into her eyes, I see my murdered wife. So I'm taking a break, which is fair. But Bonnie says, I know this is probably impossible for you, but we have no idea what's going to happen to her. We can't just leave her unattended. Well, I understand wanting to take a break, but like you raised this woman from the dead. Unfortunately, she is your responsibility now. Like there's really no one else to take this job for you. And if you do need a break, you need to call someone before you leave her unattended. You need to say, hey, look, I need a break today. Can you come out and watch her? Don't just be like, hey, Joe, here's a bag full of stuff. Go sit at whatever restaurant I bring you to. There's a great place called Skullbur. It's vaguely boat-themed. You got to try the clam chowder. And she said, what the fuck is that? And here's a laptop. And she says, what is a laptop? And he said, I'm not answering that. I need a break. I got a wedding (laughs) video to watch. Yeah. Rick says, okay, well, you keep an eye on her then. And Bonnie says, oh, I can't. I have to be in Mystic Falls. Lily is having some peace party mixer, which will probably result in half my friends nearly dying if I don't attend. So get here now, preferably before someone asks Joe to perform surgery. She hangs up. She's made her point. Because, yeah, you're leaving this woman alone in the town where multiple people know her and would be like, oh, my God, I'm having a medical emergency. Let's get this genius in the mix. Yeah. And people seem to not be aware that she died. Bonnie is right to go to this party because she knows she can do a little bit of peacemaking and learn some information. And fuck with Lily. More importantly, we go over to the Lockwood house. Stefan is getting ready for this party. And Damon comes in and Stefan says, you're going no tie. I'm going no tie. That joke will pay off later. Yeah. Damon says, not just no tie, no going. Damon said, that doesn't sound like fun to me. Stefan says, you saw her invite Julian's back. You're going. Damon says, to watch Lily bat her eyes at her zombie douche brain boy toy? Thanks, but I'd rather stay home and stub my toe repeatedly. And he's right. I mean, Damon eating Stefan up this week. Well, there's no reason to go to this party today. Honestly, like, why would you encourage this peace mixer? Yeah. You don't want to meet the man. You don't want to really even hang out with your mother. There's no reason for you to go. Stefan says, you do realize that zombie douchebrain boy toy is living in your house, bathing in your tub, eating your Fruit Loops. Here's the thing. If Julian's been dead for 100 years, he has not begun to experience preservatives. Fruit Loops will throw him for a loop. A Fruit Loop would kill that man. In which case, eat him up. You want some MSG on those Fruit Loops? Yeah. Damon says... I know. I also know that he's the love of mom's life. Mom, who convinced Kai to link Elena's life to Bonnie so I'd be miserable for the next six plus decades. And Stefan says, what are you getting at? And Damon says, Julian makes her happy, Stefan. The more time they spend together, the happier she gets. The more tragic it'll be in six months when I hand deliver his heart to her. Stefan says, six months? Damon says, give or take. Let her get her hopes up. Let her start planning their entire eternity. And then squish, he's dead. I have to side with Damon here. Yes. Because, yeah, let her start to think that you're coming around on Julian and then kill him. It'll be more effective. It's better psychological torture. 
Mm-hmm. But Stefan says, that might be a bit of a problem, brother, because I plan on killing the bastard tonight. Now, boys, you've both laid out what your ideal plan is. Now that we've heard that they don't line up, let's open the discussion and let's try to find a compromise that works for both of us rather than bringing two opposing plans into this party. Because if we had a compromise, we might be able to kill Julian more effectively. And Damon, you saw the deal Stefan made at the beginning of this season. You're going to come out of that negotiation with five and a half months. Like, it's going to (laughs) work. Yeah, at least not at this party. If it is at this party, it's going to be a lot more showy than either of you are doing. Or you kill him really fast. Like, either way, just make some plans here. Work together on this. Yeah, let's just open up the negotiations a little bit before we go to the party. You don't have to agree. Like, Stefan, you can still choose to kill him immediately if it doesn't go your way. But, you know, let's at least discuss it. Mm -hmm. We go over to Whitmore. Caroline is with Valerie. She's researching locations that Valerie could run away to. Very kind of her. Very kind of her to spend any time with Valerie at all. Since, again, Caroline's not in danger. Valerie's the one who needs to make a decision since she wants to run away from Julian so bad. Caroline says, oh, Seattle looks nice. They have the Space Needle, great coffee, Mount St. Helens. And Valerie says, rain. What? If if rain is a reason to not go somewhere, clearly you're not that scared of Julian. Exactly. And, like, you don't have any other pitches for where to go? Sorry, Caroline suggested something. And also, Caroline says, didn't take you much for a sunshine person. Yeah, she does seem like she'd like Seattle based on her vibe. Based on her vibe. Yeah, that seems like a good match. So it was very nice of Caroline to pick a city that it seems like she would like. And frankly, rain, that's an excuse. Exactly. Caroline says, oh, well, there's always Indonesia, which we learn later is the furthest geographic point from Mystic Falls, which, funny. She says, you could rent a hut on the beach, drink out of coconuts. She said, I gave you one real recommendation. Now we're into the bullshit because you're going to give me bullshit. And Valerie says, and be 9,000 miles from your boyfriend in either direction. Valerie, weren't you the one who said you wanted to be as far away from Julian as possible? That's Indonesia. And also, yeah, away from her boyfriend, because he's not your boyfriend, Valerie. Why do you care how close you are to her boyfriend? She, Of course she wants you away from her boyfriend. You're being a bitch ass. Yeah. Caroline says, okay, fine. Let's put a pin in locations for a moment and talk names. Because Valerie Toll is way too traceable. I'm thinking Matilda. You could totally pull off Matilda, which she could. And she says, Matilda Pettigrew from Liverpool, England. Do you want to write that down? She's in the middle of her improv class. <laughs> Valerie says, you're handling me like I'm a wounded bird. Like I'm some sort of victim, but I'm not. Girl, she is literally just being nice to you. She's literally making fun of you. I wouldn't make fun of a wounded bird. Well, yeah, and it's like, you are a victim because you're the one who's saying you need to run away from Julian. Like, you're acting like a victim, and then you're mad that she's not being meaner to you? Yeah, you're like, I need to get away from here. And it's like, okay, let me help you get away from here. Stop treating me like a victim. What? It's like, if you didn't want to be treated like a victim, go research locations on your own. But you don't want to because you don't want to leave Stefan, who is not even your fucking boyfriend. Yeah. Valerie says, when Stefan kills Julian, he can't hurt anyone else, and I can just put this whole mess behind me. You don't want to help him kill Julian? It might be helpful with the two of you. I know he's just a vampire, so Stefan, by all accounts, should be able to kill him very easily. But it can't hurt for you to be there, do an aneurysm spell. Or how about you go and invisique Stefan? Yeah, why don't you team up together to kill him if you both want, both want him dead so bad? Yeah. Caroline says, what mess? And Valerie says... You know, the whole reason I'm afraid of Julian, my big secret, the entire horror story. Stefan must have told you. He promised he wouldn't tell anyone, but I didn't know that included you. And she says his loyalty certainly is attractive. Here's the thing, Stefan, this is why you should have told Caroline. Mm -hmm. 
But Valerie could be a little less smug about the fact that Stefan took her request seriously. I mean, I still think Stefan should have told Caroline. But Valerie, if you learn that Stefan didn't tell Caroline, you don't need to be smug and rub it in Caroline's face, who's just trying to fucking help you when she has no reason to when you've been nothing but rude to her. And she's trying to bait Caroline because she doesn't say like, oh, you know, because of the baby. Yeah. She assumes that he didn't tell her the secret. She's hoping that's the situation. And let's face it, Valerie was probably eavesdropping on their conversation, which is why she interrupted them kissing earlier. So she knows that Caroline doesn't know this. Yeah. So she's just being a bitch. Yeah. Which like, if anyone has the right to be a bitch, it's Caroline because you're trying to steal her boyfriend. Get your grubby little hands on some other single dude. The thing that's so frustrating about Valerie is like, she's not even trying to be subtle stealing her boyfriend. Yeah. She's like trying to steal him from Caroline and make Caroline like, not trust him, but she's not really doing anything with Stefan. So it's like, if you're going to act like that to the girlfriend, at least be a slut to the boyfriend. Yeah. At least be both. Like, don't just be a bitch to be a bitch. Yeah. Caroline says, I'm sorry. What didn't he tell me? And Valerie says, never mind. As you were saying, Matilda Pettigrew from Liverpool. That's good. I like it. She's such a fucking heinous bitch. I hate her. See, after she said that to me, I'd be like, fine. Your name is going to be Poop Foot from fucking shithole Virginia. And I'm going to introduce you to my new friend, Julian, you fuck. Here's what I would say. I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm not helping you find a location anymore. Snap her neck, bring her to Lily and say, here's your fucking girl. Do whatever you want with her. She's going to try to kill Julian, by the way. Caroline's better than me. Caroline's better than me. Yeah. I, first of all, I would have snapped her neck and gone to Stephanie. Like, what the fuck did you not tell me? And by the way, uh, just so you know, you should tell this kind of thing to your girlfriend. Doesn't matter to me anymore because you don't have one anymore. Exactly. Uh, Caroline's better than me because the second Valerie walked down in that towel, I would have ripped Valerie's urn out. <laughs> and I would have said, Stefan, you got a problem with that? What are you going to do? Bring her back to life? You can't. Good it's luck. Phoenix Stone. <laughs> I'll go marry your fucking father figure. I guess. I guess. Or your friend. I don't really know what Stefan and Warwick's relationship can best be classified as. We go to the Salvatore house. It's right before the party begins. Nora has her phone out and she's showing Julian something. And she says, so you just line up these matching pieces of candy like so? There you go. You got it. Took Mary Louise a month to pass the first level. So she's explaining Candy Crush to Julian. That's my bitch. Like, one thing you listeners need to know about Stephanie is she loves Candy Crush. I'm on level like 8,500. She's a real Candy Crush bitch. And as a Nora stan, I knew you'd be so excited that Nora also loves Candy Crush. I'm a Candy Crush girl till I die, Miss Nora. I'll see you in the episode race, queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Julian says, this is meant to be fun, right? And Nora says, oh, yeah, give it another five minutes. You'll be full on addicted. Julian says, I think this era suits you, Nora. The doy. Yeah, I think so, too. Have you met Nora? I could have told you that before I even like brought her to the era. But also, Julian, what do you know about this era? You've been in this house. The only thing you've seen is a cell phone. And he's still confused by it. <laughs> he saw the ability to take selfies and he said, okay, yeah, this is Nora's time. When he's also, you know, trying to make them all feel special and be like, Nora, you're doing so wonderful. He's queen. definitely trying to be like the main confidant to all of them and like kind of drive a wedge between Nora and Mary Louise a little bit. And Bo, I guess he's doing the same thing, but it's not like Bo seems to have any relationship with anybody because Julie Pleck said, I'm not going to do any character development on the black one. Classic Julie Pleck. Yeah, he seems to want the kids out of there and just have Lily, which like, I feel like that can't be that hard to pull off. Because Nora already wants to leave. Yeah. Anyway, Nora says, yeah, I really wouldn't know because Lily keeps us trapped inside the town border. There's nothing here for us. 
And Julian says, I think she's just nervous to let her little birdies fly free. She doesn't want another Valerie on her hands. As if like the Valerie issue was because she let Valerie fly free. No, it's because she sent Valerie to go talk to her son. And then she was surprised they hooked up. And I mean, she didn't even know that. But still, it's like she didn't let Valerie fly free. She was literally on a task. Nora says, well, Valerie is a traitor and Lily knows she and I are nothing alike. And Julian says, no, you certainly are not. Perhaps I could talk to Lily. See if I can't convince her to loosen her reins a little. And Nora says, you would do that? And he says, of course. And this is obviously like, again, manipulation to be like, I'm on in your corner. But mm-hmm. if you really wanted the kids out of the way, Julian, just say, honestly, Nora, I think it would be really good for you and Mary Louise to get out of town. Well, because, yeah, the, the whole, oh, she's keeping us in the town border. How? She doesn't have magic. She's like, oh, I hope you all stay here. You could literally leave. Oscar just left and didn't come back. Yeah. And look how happy he was. Well, I guess you didn't see that, but he was. But that's the thing. You don't you're not really being kept here by anything other than your own personal feeling of obligation. Yeah. Your own emotional tie, which you have another stronger emotional tie to your girlfriend. Go be lesbian somewhere. I've been saying. Yeah. Mary Louise comes in in like it looks like the wedding dress from Ready or Not. Yeah. High neck, white lace. Long sleeve lace. It's like T-length. Big skirt. I don't know where she bought this dress in the 2010s because it wasn't a trend then. Yeah. Mary Louise says, there you are. Guests are arriving. Help me greet them. And Nora says, you're greeting them dressed like that? Now, Nora, you're right. But you say that a little nicer, please. Like, Mary Louise, I know that this is a harder era for you, but you gotta dress sluttier. Like, pick up a fashion magazine. You don't even have to dress slutty, but like there's a line between like fashion and just whatever you found. Yeah. Mary Louise says, what's wrong with it? And Julian says, absolutely nothing, Mary Louise. You look stunning as always. And then Nora and Julian go and this affects Mary Louise. Yeah. She's moody. Let's say that. She thought this was a serve. She really thought she ate that. Nora like laughs at this outfit as though like four episodes ago, she didn't like want to kill someone for laughing at her outfit. She's so me. It's so real. (laughs) We go to the front door. Stefan is there with a bottle of wine. And he says, am I allowed in or does your cleaning lady need to invite me? And Lily is there. And she says, we had her sign the house over to us. She was too expensive. What? How many times are you signing the deed over? It's getting ridiculous. There must be a limit on how many times you can do that within a calendar year, right? (laughs) Here's my other thing. If I'm Stefan, first of all, Assuming I'm even going to this. I'm not bringing wine. You stole my house with my wine cellar. I'll drink there. Yeah, literally. It's not BYOB for me. That's, I, my my OB is in the basement. <laughs> yeah, I have my <laughs> OB right here. Yeah. Also, look, I know that what this is meant to imply really is like Lily's like, obviously the cleaning lady was like an antagonistic thing. So we got rid of her to kind of encourage yeah. peace. But to say she was too expensive, you couldn't have possibly been paying her. You were compelling her, right? No way she was getting paid. And for... and. I think when she got fired, she also got killed, I'm assuming. I think she got her final paycheck, quote unquote, in the form of you biting her neck. Yeah, literally. She says, come on in. And Stefan says, thank you. He gives her the wine and he says, compliments of the Lockwood cellar. Y'all just giving Tyler's shit away now? (laughs) Stefan can't help but notice there's a crowd here. And, you know, in his recollection, his mother doesn't have so much friends. So he says, where did all these people come from? Which you were also asking. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, neighboring towns. We promised them a night of drink and conversation. And Stefan says, oh, so you compelled them. I wouldn't need to be compelled to come to a fancy party. 
because they seem to have no interest in talking to these people. They're just letting them eat the apps, have the drinks. They are essentially like background actors. And they didn't even kill any of the party goers. They killed one of the help. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but then the party goers do end up mostly going to the high school to be oh, used I for guess. Lord knows yeah. what. Uh, but anyway, what's funny about this episode is this entire thing is very much just the Michelson ball, but worse. Yeah, it's just the Michelson ball, but the outfits aren't as good. The couples aren't as good. Caroline's not even there. It is literally, don't buy the Michelson ball off Sheehan. Yeah, Timu vibes. Lily says, I wanted to show you what peace looks like. My family is civilized. None of these people are in danger. Except the ones that are going to be attached to IVs pretty soon, but... But sure. Damon approaches because he showed up after all and he's wearing a tie. And he says to Stefan, what? No tie? Damon is being standable this week. I mean, he's usually standable, but this week he really is. As we all know, I've been having a hard time with some of Damon's decisions lately, but he's being standable this week. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back on him. Back on him. And you know me, I would love to defend all of Stefan's choices, but I can't do it lately. It's, It's getting difficult. It pisses me off. Julie Pleck, when I see you in the street. This is like me defending Enzo last season. I mean, I I kept trying, but I could only do so much. Uphill both ways. I mean, like, I can do some of the work, but you have to do something to help me here. You have to want it, Stefan. Yeah. Stefan says, oh, what are you doing here? And Damon says, oh, I missed my stash of bourbon, is he's referring to. And Lily says, well, boys, why don't you go mingle? I'll put this wine away. And she leaves. And Stefan says, tell me you're here to help me. Now, obviously, he's not. Stefan, I think you know the answer to that. Damon (laughs) says, you know how you wanted to redecorate? Can't let you do that. And Stefan says, well, why the hell not? And Damon says, well, Lily just rearranged the furniture and she needs a little time to live with it, to fall in love with the feng shui of it all. And Stefan says, let me guess, for six months? And six months is really just like an arbitrary number. Damon's not committed to six months. Yeah, he's not committed to exactly six months, but he's like, you know, enough time to make her feel comfortable. It's just a concept. Damon says, I give up. What am I missing here? Why do you care so much? He's really trying to ask for context to help you, Stefan. It would behoove you to provide it. Because this has the implication, like, if it's something that's bad enough, yeah, I'll work with you. But like, I have my own plan right now and I don't have a reason to change to yours at this point. And Damon's plan has pretty solid reasoning. So if he's going to change it, he needs to hear some other solid reasoning, which he is clearly receptive to. Yeah. Stefan says, let's just say the furniture Lily recently purchased is psychotic and needs to be disposed of immediately. We're losing the analogy. Yeah. Stefan, keep in mind the code that you were working with. Just say the furniture is dangerous. It's not stable. Let's just say the furniture is not childproof and it could hurt a baby. Yeah. (laughs) And Jane would be like, what? (laughs) Julian approaches and he says, gentlemen, welcome. I'm Julian. It's like, okay. (laughs) Who asked? We're in the middle of something. (laughs) Damon says, I'm Damon. And Julian says, Lily told me all about you. Of course, you were only a boy back then. So she told him... (laughs) She's like, oh, my dumbass son who broke my vase. Yeah. Julian says, and now you're, well, you. Stefan, how long has it been? And Stefan says, I don't know. I must have lost track of time after I stopped thinking about you. And I know we need some drama and whatever, but like he stands so close to Stefan. Stefan, rip the heart out right now. Yeah. Why are we waiting? And also, Stefan, you know, Damon is here to stop you from doing this. It would behoove you to just get it done. Honestly, 
element of surprise. But this is Stefan's inevitable problem, which we'll get to later, is he's very emotionally affected by Julian and the reason Mm -hmm. he's killing him. So he wants to be able to, like, let Julian know why he's killing him. It's less efficient. Pull the heart out and go. It's the lesson we've learned time and time again. If you're killing someone for revenge or with the emotional attachment, you're going to fail. Yeah. You have to be objective about it. Exactly. Julian says, my charm is being lost on you. You must be dreadfully sober. No, you're just not that fucking charming. You're just a weirdo, dude. You're given weird behavior. Dude, you killed a baby. That's what it is. Yeah. And then Julian would be like, which baby? Yeah, which one? Who's which baby? Which one pissed you off so bad? It's a baby. It's not like it, it's not like your best friends with a baby. Least of all, an unborn one. Yeah. Julian says, Bo, get these men something to drink, will you? And Bo goes like they don't have an entire staff of waiters. Yeah, they have like a full wait staff here. Why is Bo getting drinks? Also, it's their house. They can get their own drink. They know where the drinks are. We go back over to the front door. Matt is arriving. Nora answers the door and says, Deputy Donovan, welcome. And Matt says, yeah, it's Matt. We lost all formalities when you and your girlfriend nearly drained me of all my blood. And she's like, okay. Nora says, look, the whole point of this shindig is to start over. Nora, girly, I think if anyone has reason to be so angry at the heretics, it's Matt. Because they did kill his entire graduating class of deputies. And he's like the one who cares the most about keeping Mystic Falls safe, and it's decidedly not safe. So, like, I'm shocked Matt's here, period. I mean, he just wants to be here to be rude, and he has every right to be. And I'm just shocked that Nora and Mary Louise think they can, like, charm Matt, of all people. And to what end? Because Matt, he has been, you know, much as I don't like Matt, he has been through it. He has mm-hmm. dealt with some real crazy bitches, and he's not, he's not getting charmed by the likes of you. Yeah, sorry. Matt says, I've got a better idea. Why don't you convince your family to leave Mystic Falls? Straight to the point. Love it. And I mean, Nora doesn't even want to be here anyway. So it's actually the right person to bring this pitch to. Nora says, why would I do that? And Matt says, why would a group of vampires live in an abandoned town with nothing to eat? Yep. Mm -hmm. Great question, Matt. He said, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what do you gain here? Honestly, (laughs) like, don't make me be standing, Matt. Don't make me stand, Matt. When he's in a conversation with Nora, how is he eating you up? When he's right, he's right. Then Mary Louise approaches. She's wearing a new dress, a much cuter strapless black dress. Mm -hmm. And she says, what are we talking about? And Nora says, apparently Matt is sick of us. What do you mean apparently? He is. Well, and sick of you implies that he was ever good with you. He's never liked you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Matt says, I just want my town back, preferably before anyone else dies. And Nora says, look around at all these people. They're still alive, aren't they? It's been, mind you, what, 15 minutes of this party? Yeah, it's early in the party. That's not a justification you can use right now. And they're all compelled to be here. So you're not killing them. That's kind of already not a flex when you compelled them all to be here. Yeah, it's not like you have been reaching out to the community and building a a happy town. No, you just force a bunch of people to come to a party. And Mary Louise tries to make a joke. She says, at least till the dessert course. And Nora knows in this conversation, like, jokes are not the vibe. So Nora says, you're making a joke about killing people. (laughs) Yeah. So Nora says, you're making it worse. And then she says to Matt, come on, let's go meet people. And Mary Louise is sad because Nora's mad at her. And she changed her whole dress and Nora didn't say anything about it. Yeah, she gets strapless and everything. Yeah. She's like, what exactly do I have to do? (laughs) We go outside. Enzo and Bonnie happen to be arriving at the same time. And they approach the door. That's my shit. That's my shit, baby. It's like, oh, hell yeah. Here we go. (laughs) It's like, okay, we can turn this day around. (laughs) It's not all hopeless. (laughs) 
Bonnie says, oh, did whatever animal they're serving for dinner get a plus one? And he says, hilarious. I was invited. And she says, oh, you're scoping the competition. And he says, there's no competition to scope. They knock. And Enzo says, since you're here, by the way, if anyone's wondering, you're my date. And she says, sorry? (laughs) (laughs) She's so real. And the door opens and it's Lily. And it is worth mentioning, Lily is kind of eating in her outfit this week. It's very slay. Yeah, it's like the little neckline with the cap sleeves. The red looks good on her. I mean, she is kind of surfing. Yeah, I'll admit it when it happens. And she says, Lorenzo, I'm so glad you came. He gives her a bouquet and said, wouldn't miss it. And he goes in. And Lily says, Bonnie, I know we've had a rocky past, but I hope this means you're willing to start fresh. Bonnie says, "Uh, you're the reason I'm never going to see my best friend again. So I hope you're joking. She goes in. Icon. Gagged. Gagged. And it is like, Lily, did you think like Bonnie would be at all receptive to you? Yeah, Lily's like shocked by this. And it's like, girl, girl, come on. We go over to the pool table. Stefan and Julian are playing pool. And Stefan, you know, breaks the pool balls, whatever you call them. (laughs) You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, Julian says, nice break. And Stefan says, well, it is my pool table after all. And also like... A break, whatever. Yeah, you're just complimenting because you want to be my stepdad now. Yeah. Except not even really. Damon comes in and Julian says, ah, Damon, come play with us. And Damon says, you know, I would, but I have an irrational fear of pool tables. Well, and also, what do you mean come play with us? There's two of you on a pool table. Where does the third guy fit in? I guess you do three turns. Yeah, but then you still kind of need a team of two because which... Is he going after Stripe or Solid? Well, you can play eight ball, so you go after all of them, but you are going for the eight ball. That's true, I guess. I think. It's stupid. Either way, it's dumb. Either way, Damon's not playing. Except then he does hit a ball. (laughs) But Damon's not really here to play pool. He's here to do a bit. Yeah. Julian says, oh, are you sure it's not like a rational fear of losing? (laughs) Damon says, oh, have uh, have you never heard the story of the guy that tried to kill the vampire during a game of pool? And Stefan knows his goose is cooked. Yeah. Julian says, well, considering my body has been in stasis for a century, why don't you enlighten me? And Damon says, well, there's this guy. About Stefan's build, maybe a wee bit bigger, a little more chiseled, less height on the hair. And Stefan says, get on with the story. <laughs> Stefan's like, can you just do this? Yeah. Like, I already know where this is going. Can we get it over with? Damon says, so this vampire he wants to kill is at least 300 years older than him. Damon grabs Julian's pool cue and like plays throughout his little story. Damon says, and anyone and everyone with half a brain knew he was being an idiot, but he had this inexplicable obsession. So he bets the vampire in a game of pool. And just as the vampire is setting up for his last shot, Damon very quickly breaks the pool cue and holds it up like a stake, but he stops short in front of Julian. Mm -hmm. And Julian says, and? And Damon says, never got a chance. Another vampire comes out of nowhere and stops him. Like I said, he was being an idiot. And Stefan says, well, that is a wonderful story, Hemingway. (laughs) and you can see julian's like oh i almost got got yeah i'm a dumb fuck (laughs) said i didn't even think that these were made of wood (laughs) damon says thank you and he tosses the broken pool cue to julian and damon leaves and then julian pretty quickly also leaves stefan's like okay well (laughs) but but you know what stefan doesn't let this stop him yeah but also stefan now this has happened just really quickly run over there and pull his heart out well, you know, you don't even have to, he's holding the wood. You don't have to pull his head out right away. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand because it'd be less fun to watch. Snap their neck, then pull their head out. Well, honestly, if I were Stefan, what I would do 
while Damon's telling this story and Julian is focused on that, I'm breaking my cue and sticking Julian. And then I'll say, thanks for the assist, brother. As Julian's walking away, break your cue and throw it at him. But again, he wants to have a little speech so that none of those things work. Fatal flaw. We go over to Skullbar. Rick arrives and Joe has figured out how to work the laptop now. One of the fucking baristas was like, I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) And she's drinking from a mug, so she's having a good time. And Rick says, oh, I see you've mastered the internet. And Joe says, one of these students showed me something called WebMD. Apparently, I have a form of retrograde amnesia. So far, I've canceled out encephalitis. I got it. I got it. Give me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) She says, so far, I've canceled out encephalitis and perineoplastic limbic encephalitis. Most of my characteristics fall into fugue state amnesia, which is rare. But then again, so is coming back from the dead, which I just said too loudly. They do love to give her little medical words still. They said, you got it, Jody." <laughs> and she says, what? Because he's looking at her because he's like, my wife was a doctor. Yeah. I want to marry a high schooler now. <laughs> he says nothing. And then a student comes up and says, oh, my God, Dr. Laughlin, you're back. I thought you were on sabbatical. Now, why didn't you report her death? They said it was a sabbatical. Like You could have said that she died at her wedding. At some point, someone from the university is going to be like, hey, just calling to see when you're coming back. His alert just collecting her sabbatical checks. Yeah, literally. (laughs) The girl says, oh, Laura Homestead, one of your interns at the med center last semester. Rick says, right. You remember Laura, who you've mentioned to me. Joe says, Laura, my star pupil. And Laura says, really? You gave me a C. Okay, bitter. Also, how can you get a C in volunteering? <laughs> like, she's being nice. She's like, she's being nice. Like, if why would she say, oh, Lord, the bitch I gave a C? Yeah. My, my average pupil. Yeah, just let her be nice to you. And Laura says, oh, how was your honeymoon? And Joe says, amazing. Wasn't it, Rick? And Rick says, yeah, fantastic. And then Laura says, oh, my God, Dr. Laughlin, your nose is bleeding. And it is. Rick says, do you mind getting us some napkins? And Laura says, yeah, of course, be right back. And then Joe coughs up some blood and says, oh, what the hell is wrong with me? Can you imagine if Laura was like, oh, I would get you napkins, but I'm only a C-level medical student. So I don't. I think that's a little advanced for me, don't you think? Can <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> if, if we could be like, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll go get napkins. <laughs> we go over to the Salvatore house. They have a woman on stage who's like singing slash scatting. And she's just <laughs> finishing up the song. We hear about five seconds of it. Yeah, we get like two seconds of her scatting and then it's like, okay, we're done with that. It's like, why do we even bring her here? Yeah. And they were all in the prison world since 1903. Who told them about jazz? Yeah, literally. (laughs) Everyone claps and they all have like little coupe glasses of like sparkling rosé. Yeah. Which is just funny. Lily comes to the mic. She's going to do a toast. She says, I hate to interrupt the party. What party are you interrupting? Uh, Like... It's a group of compelled people and like four other people. It's not so much a party as it is a room with people in it. Yeah. She says, I just wanted to introduce my dearest love, Julian. He's just returned from, shall we say, travels abroad. My family is finally complete. My hope now is that in time, we can learn to accept each other and together restore this town with its residents to a state of peace. Again, 90% of this party is people compelled to be here. This speech isn't getting through to them. Well, and they're, all these people aren't even from Mystic Falls. So they're like, okay. Yeah, the people from Grove Hill are like, I'm sorry, are none of you from town here? Like, where are all the Mystic Falls people? Did we just become the best city in this area? 
Yes! We finally beat Mystic Falls! Julian says cheers. Damon does a little goofy cheers just to Stefan. Julian is with Bo and says, hey, Bo, can I ask you something? And Bo says... (laughs) Julian says, Lily's concerns about me weren't entirely wrong. My time away might have affected my head a bit. Nothing to worry about, of course. Then why bring it up? But there is a little something that would bring me great relief. Our dearly departed Oscar had something of mine, but it wasn't on him when he died. So I thought perhaps it was in his automobile. And we can see during this that Enzo is eavesdropping on this conversation. Mm -hmm. And Julian says, could you maybe figure out where it was sent? Bo nods. And Julian says, great. What do you think Julian's looking for? My first thought was the the ring, but clearly Lily has that. So I'm guessing there's some kind of like, I don't know, maybe like a, a different stone that like evens you out or some like, I don't know, some protection against whatever causes the X scar because, and I'll get to this later, we do get a mention from Miss Florence that I think is relevant to that. Oh, interesting. But so I think it could be something to protect from that Excar Phoenix Stone and those effects or some way to, because, you know, maybe he's getting visions much like Bonnie was. That's a good point. And through this whole scene with Julian and Bo, Bo is just leisurely playing the piano. Yeah, that is worth mentioning. As if, again, they didn't hire a performer. Yeah. What a renaissance man. He is. I love him. I need to, <laughs> is he single? Is he looking? Also because Julian's like, I'm telling you all this secret. And Bo's like, like the actor, he's giving faces. He's throwing his brow. Oh, he's, he's acting. Like nodding. Like, he's giving. It's just it's just silliness. He's just goofy. Yeah, and he is he is playing some ambient piano music. And he's like, yeah, I'll go look for the automobile. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, Why not? send me on another errand. At least I don't have to get ice. <laughs> Literally. Julian goes up to Enzo and says, oh, we haven't met. I'm Julian. Um, And Enzo says, Lorenzo. And it's hard to say if Julian has heard of Lorenzo or not. But he certainly, if he has heard of him, he wants to knock him down a peg. Because Julian says, those meat and cheese spirals were decadent. Your staff does fantastic work. So if he knows who Enzo is, this is an iconic drag. Sorry. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's, it's absolutely dastardly. <laughs> it is devastating. But I will say, Enzo takes some of its power away by saying, I'll send them your compliments. Yeah. He puts up a wall. It doesn't look like it affects him as much as it certainly did. Yeah. It's hard to say if Julian knows who Enzo is or if this is just truly Julian being like, oh, you must be like the waiter. I have to assume he knows, even though like, I don't know when they would have brought it up, but I'm sure it got brought up just because this feels targeted. Yeah. Julian goes and Enzo goes up to Bonnie and Bonnie says, it's called dignity. Have some. It's free. And he said, is it free? Because where do I fucking get it? Yeah. Enzo says, what I got in return was priceless. Julian is looking for Oscar's car. I intend to find it first. Bonnie starts adjusting his tie, sort of intimately. And he says, what are you doing? And she says, Lily is watching. I'm fixing your tie, making her jealous like any good date. That's what you wanted, right? To make her jealous. And he says, maybe a little. And now there's a lot of couples who don't have chemistry. Mama, these two are not them. These two have chemistry, the likes of which we haven't seen in a long time yes this is this gives me the same feeling as early delena Claroline. it's on that level for me and it's so interesting because julie plett could have been doing this couple earlier 
because these characters have both been involved, but they've barely met. Yeah. I've been tracking it. We know how rarely they talk. So I'm glad we're finally doing it. They have incredible chemistry. We know where we're headed now because of the time jump, but it's so exciting to start heading that way. Yeah, Enzo's being cutie. Bonnie's being cutie. And Lily's being so fucking stupid because why are you watching this and not eavesdropping? You're a vampire. Yeah, but she's dumb. Bonnie is talking in a way that is like quiet and mumbly a little bit that it would be hard to eavesdrop. Yeah. But it is like, why wouldn't Lily eavesdrop? But maybe because she doesn't really care. <laughs> I don't Yeah, she's like, whatever. At least she has a girlfriend. Yeah, the logistics don't matter to me because I'm watching love happen, baby. I'm watching love happen. That's all I need. Enzo says, anyway, I got what I came for. Have a nice night. And he leaves. We go over to Rick's apartment. Joe is laying in the bed and she is coughing. And she's starting to look like bags under her eyes. Like it's looking a little rough. It's turning a corner pretty fast. Caroline and Valerie are also there because Caroline was with Valerie on campus. And so obviously she just brought Valerie with her because they called Caroline here to heal Joe. Mm -hmm. Rick says her nose just started to bleed and then the coughing started and Caroline offers her blood to Joe and says, drink, it'll heal you. Joe drinks, but then immediately throws it up and Caroline says, or not. Just like we saw post-cure. Exactly. Rick says, what the hell is wrong with her? And Valerie says, seems a vampire soul in a human body does not a perfect match make. And again, I know she doesn't know all the details and she ends up feeling bad. Why are you being so, like, cavalier about this? You Obviously, they're all upset. Well, like, it's still a woman, like, dying of essentially consumption looking like. Even if she's a stranger, kindness would go a little far. And again, you did work in a TB ward, didn't you? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Do you have any bedside manner? Joe says, what do you mean? And Valerie says, well, the Phoenix Stone traps vampire souls. Oscar had a vampire body, got some other vampire soul, and he lost the plot. Joe is a human. Clearly, a basic human body isn't able to contain the essence of a vampire soul. Sure. Sure. (laughs) She says, you add that together, carry the one, you're a decomposing mess. And so Caroline immediately pulls her out of the room and says, thank you, Valerie. Your tact is wildly appreciated. And Valerie says, I was just saying she's a corpse who's meant to stay a corpse. And Caroline says, we know, we heard you. (laughs) She said, it wasn't unclear. That's not my issue with it. She says, that corpse was supposed to be Rick's wife, who died with two kids inside of her on their wedding day. And Valerie says, oh my God, I had no idea. Valerie's like, now that there are unborn babies involved, I care. I don't give a shit about the mom. Caroline says, well, now you do know. So just sit down quietly while he says goodbye. And Valerie does listen to that. We go down to the Salvatore wine cellar. Mary Louise is looking for some wine and in comes Julian to, I guess, try to manipulate. He's trying to create alliances all across the family and it's working because none of them are particularly smart. Well, and Mary Louise is uh, feeling weak already, so he's taking advantage of that. Soft target. Julian says, what a pretty dress. It's too easy. And she's like, thank God, finally. Mary (laughs) Louise says, do you think? Nora didn't even notice. And he says, well, Nora needs her eyes examined. And Mary Louise says she's talking to everyone at this party but me. I feel like a fool running around trying to impress my own girlfriend. I mean, she spends plenty of time with you. She's trying to meet some other people. Nora is really trying to follow Lily's intention for this party, which is to create peace with these people. Foolish as that goal is. A maid comes in and Julian compels the maid and says, hey, stand still and say nothing. And then he says, Mary Louise, why don't you drink what you're actually craving? And Mary Louise says, well, Lily would have my head. No feeding on guests. I mean, she practically made us sign an oath in our blood. Well, this isn't a guest. <laughs> Julian says, just as I suspected, you, Mary Louise, have lost your swagger. The girl I remember had spunk, vigor, 
Danger, rules be damned. No wonder Nora is bored. Too fucking easy. It's too easy. He feeds on the maid and then says, I won't tell if you won't. And then Mary Louise feeds on the maid. After which she comes upstairs strutting to some rock music. She's got her groove back. Yeah. Mary Louise got her swagger back. Yeah. Her name is Mary Louise. So what swagger can you have with that? Exactly. <laughs> Nora says, oh, Mayo, did you change? You're looking very Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and then Mary Louise kisses Nora and they go ready to go upstairs and hook up. Good for them. Happy day. So they're in love again. These two are always like fighting and then in love again. This is their storyline, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Bonnie is getting ready to go out the door. She's putting her jacket on. And then some guy approaches her and says, hey, can you tell me where the high school is? She says, the entire town is shut down. Haven't you seen the million signs? And he says, yeah, I'm looking for the high school. She said, yeah, I heard you the first time. Why? And he says, can you just tell me where the high school is? And so she's not an idiot. She's like, okay, uh, can you tell me who you've been talking to? And he says, I can't say. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, that's what I thought. She said, that makes sense. He says, if my boss is looking for me, can you tell him I quit? That's not my job. Yeah, I don't know who your boss is. I don't know who you are. You've given me no information. First of all, if I even find your boss, I say, oh, some guy quit. He's like, who? I say, I don't know, some guy. He was looking to the high school. That's all I know about him. And then the boss would be like, actually, that's a great point. Where's the high school? Actually, now that you've mentioned it, where is the high school? (laughs) She's like, okay. So the guy starts going, even though he has no idea where the high school is, but he finds it eventually. Yeah. And Matt comes up and says, hey, what was that about? And Bonnie says, I don't know, but I get the impression that he didn't either. We should follow him. And then Matt's phone like pings. And Bonnie says, oh, unless you have other plans. And Matt says, this will only take a minute. I'll meet you at my truck. And he goes. We go up to Damon's room. And I will say this plan of Stefan's, it's kind of the oldest trick in the book. But if it works, it works. Sometimes spiking a drink with Vervain is all you need to do and you don't need to complicate it. Yeah, don't overthink it. That is to Stefan's credit. Like he could have applied that same simplicity to his plot to kill Julian. But who am I? Yeah. We don't need to orchestrate a pool game. Just pull his heart out. <laughs> Stefan... And Damon walk into Damon's room. They see it's been rearranged. And Stefan says, where's your TV? And Damon says, where's my bed? And Stefan says, wow, I guess Lily took over your bedroom. And I will bet your old flat screen TV that Julian is not sleeping in the guest quarters. Damon has picked up like a sword for fencing. And with it, he picks up a pair of underwear. Clearly, their mother's underwear. Funny. Hysterical. He says, and here I thought she slept standing up like a horse. <laughs> just funny. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just a great drag. Stefan says, okay, down to business. You need to help me kill him or leave. (laughs) Damon twirls the underwear in Stefan's face and says, do you know what this means? And Stefan says, please knock it off. Damon says, it means mom's happy. Another couple months of this and she'll have convinced herself it's forever. And that's when we strike Stefan. Damon is very clearly trying to appeal this logical plan to Stefan. Yeah, he's giving his points, which are good points. He's like, you can see why this is more effective. Why do you need to kill him tonight? And Stefan says, I'm not going to stay. Yeah, Stefan says, look at your bedroom. Our house is unrecognizable. Lily needs to go, and killing Julian is the start of that. I mean, I understand that's an attempt, but, like, they've already been living in the house. What's another six months in the house? Exactly. Damon says, you know something. Look at you. You're murdery, vengeful. It's very humanity off, Stefan, except I know your switch is intact, which means you know something, so spit it out. Again, very receptive to feedback on his plan, If there's a good reason. Yeah. Stefan says, it's not my secret to tell, Damon. I mean, it's half yours to tell. Yeah. Damon says, oh, really? And then Matt comes in. 
with a bottle of bourbon that it appears he's been drinking and says, so Nora showed me where they keep the good stuff. And at first it's like, what's happening with you, Matt? <laughs> and it's like, because I was like, is he compelled? Because I was like, why would he say that? Like, he knows it's their house. Yeah, and he was just like downstairs, very sound mind, ready to investigate this thing with Bonnie. And all of a sudden he's like drunk on bourbon. It's like, what? And Damon says, whoa, does this bottle say default deputy? No, it says Damon's good stuff. Do not touch. Damon drinks it, but he coughs because it's spiked with vervain. This is too, it's too easy. And then Matt shoots him with a vervain syringe and he passes out. And Stefan says, take Bonnie, get out of here. It's about to get ugly. Matt's like, I was going to do that. I have something else I'm working on. Like, yeah, I actually have other things to do. I really don't give a fuck what you're going to do tonight. I'm going to go. You could kill Damon right now for all I care. He's like, I really wouldn't do you a favor, except you told me it's going to result in one of these vampires being dead, which I would actually love. So that's the only reason I did this. And it only took me 15 seconds of subpar acting. He's like, it was actually insanely easy. So I was really phoning it in. Yeah. We go downstairs. Julian is like snacking on those decadent meat and cheese wheels. And Stefan appears and stakes him in the stomach and says, my brother told the story wrong. Stefan, you had the element of surprise. Just go straight for the heart. You don't need to say that. Then they fight and Stefan tosses Julian into the fireplace and Julian catches on fire. But unfortunately, Lily comes in and she puts it out. And then Stefan just stares at the two of them. Kill them. Kill one or both. I really don't care. So no one's happy with this little setup. Upstairs, we see Damon come too. So we go back downstairs and Julian pulls the steak out of his stomach. And Lily says, what did I do? To make you hate me so much. Girl, I hope that question is rhetorical. I mean, first of all, that better be rhetorical. But second of all, this is not about you. Yeah, (laughs) it really isn't. Uh, And Seven says, it's not about you. And she says, not about me. She can't. (laughs) That can't be. (laughs) She says, ever since I've been back, all you have done is try to strip me of my happiness. Now, Miss Lily, they brought you back from the prison world. Even if they've been trying to strip you of your happiness, that was a big fucking favor to you. And second of all, they haven't been trying to strip you of your happiness. If anything, they've been trying to mend the relationship. And at every turn, you're like, I want to see these randos. Well, that's the thing. She's like, you stri- you were trying to strip me of my happiness to not bring my family back. That wasn't just because they were your family, although that was offensive to say to your sons. Yeah. It's because they're all powerful creatures who they didn't really want to fuck with. And it turns out they were right because they killed a shit ton of people the first chance they got. And also- even if they were trying to strip you of your happiness, you got your entire family back. Isn't it a little bit all's well that ends well? And let's not act like you weren't also stripping some happiness, aka the Elena situation. Yeah, we don't even have to get into all of it because we have one example that is incredible, which is you're the one who suggested to put Elena in a coma linked to Bonnie. Yeah. That's evil. If you're asking, what did I do to make you hate me? It's that. And you know That's it the is. That's the main one. Yeah. She says, answer me, what did I do wrong? And it's it's that, girl, like, come on, think a little. Damon comes in and says, well, I see Stefan's plan went swimmingly, probably explains why all your fake guests are leaving. And Lily says, sit down, both of you. <laughs> and Damon says, well, we wouldn't want to wear out our welcome. Let's hit the road. Yeah. And Julian says, sit down or I'll seat you myself. And they both sit down to be disciplined by these people. Why are you to leave? Vampire run. Why are you letting your mother discipline you with her new boyfriend, who isn't even really your stepdad because you don't know the dude and it was after she quote unquote died. So why are you even entertaining this? Like, it'd be one thing if you were entertaining it because you're just sitting together and be like, okay, 
when we look at each other, if you go snap Lily's neck, I'll go rip his heart out. But they just sit here and take this. Yeah. I'd be at minimum being a brat about it. Oh, I would be we're about to get through Julian's speech and I'd be heckling the whole time. Actually, you know what I'll do? Let me read Julian's speech and you heckle what you would heckle if you were Stefan and Damon. Great, great. So they sit down. Julian holds up the stone, the Phoenix Stone, and he says, over a hundred years inside this thing. Sounds like your real problem. In this, my own custom-made hell, time is meaningless. The pain, the emptiness, the complete lack of humanity is literally endless. If it's a stone, so there's an end on the edge of the stone. <laughs> no, every day is the same. Well, I was in the prison world, so I understand that. I wake up. <laughs> I try to escape. But instead, I end up killing the person that I love the most. Well, why'd you do that? Every day, <laughs> over and over again, I drive a stake through your mother. Did you ever try not doing that? It's almost enough to turn even the soundest mind mad. Seems like it was enough and you don't seem sound to start with, buddy. But when you're over 475 years old. Oldie. Oldie's too easy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you learn a thing or two about yourself. Only two? <laughs> I'm just going for the simple. I'm just going for the low-hanging fruit now. This couldn't be real. Because I would never bring harm to your mother. Then why'd you do it every day? Hell was <laughs> playing tricks on me, trying to break me, but I wouldn't let it. I think you did. <laughs> because I knew if I did snap, I wouldn't be a man. You're not a man now. I'd be a monster. You are. And then he picks up a <laughs> knife and throws it in between them. Very monster behavior. Yeah, it also doesn't even seem like he's really trying to hit them, like more like he's trying to scare them. And Lily says, hey, Julian. Julian says, your children have no respect for you. Oh, now they're her children. Yeah. Convenient. Well, it's like when your parents get divorced and a new like boyfriend or girlfriend is like, I'm going to discipline them. And it's like, mm, no. no, I don't <laughs> think you are, actually. Also, your children have no respect for you. Yeah, I bet they fucking don't. Well, they're, they're grown men and I was pretty horrible to them. So it does seem fair. They had mourned me for quite some time before I came back. And I, I think, Julian, they don't respect you is the issue. Not only do they not like you, you're not even really that threatening. And you're just generally kind of annoying. Yeah, but Lily doesn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Julian throws the stake. Stefan catches it. Stefan attacks Julian. Julian throws Stefan into a glass cabinet. Damon says, knock it off. He joins the fight. Lily says, Julian, this isn't you. Even though it full is. And he's beating them up. And what's interesting about this fight is like, he could snap their necks and stake them, but he's like punching and kicking them. There's no yeah. baby in there, Julian. You don't have to punch them. Yeah, he's choosing to full beat their asses, which I think we're meant to believe is connected to Phoenix Stone. But this also seems like something he was doing pre-Phoenix Stone. It just seems like something he likes to do. It is very much giving Giuseppe Salvatore. Yeah. And then he grabs a stake as if to stake Damon. And Lily stops Julian and says, boys, out now. And they're like, okay, we'll see ourselves out. I said, fine. I'd rip his heart out on the way out. Yeah. Literally grab the stake and stake him and then be like, now we're out. And then when Lily says, hey, rip her heart out too. Bye. Have fun, Noir Mayor Louise. Be free. I know they're not ready to kill Lily yet, but they need to they need to at least take her out of commission. Yeah. Honestly, snap her neck, put her in the Lockwood cellar. Put her in the dungeon here. Yeah. I guess you want her away from the heretics, be like, yeah, she left with Julian. I guess she didn't give a fuck about you after all. Yeah, before she left, she said we get to have our house back. <laughs> 
Pick any other house. The town's abandoned. You can have the Lockwood house. We'll just trade. Yeah. We go over to Rick's apartment. Joe is looking very bad. Yeah, I mean, she's at death's door. Yeah. She says, I wonder what WebMD would have to say about me now. They'd say dying. Girl, you don't want to look at it now. <laughs> Rick says, yeah, probably best not to find out. WebMD says, you're already dead, bitch. <laughs> Joe says, a woman was wielding a sword that pierced my heart. The blade was metal. It shouldn't have been able to kill me, but it did. See, and this is what she said that I think is connected to the X scar and the Phoenix Stone. In what way? Why was the metal enough to kill a vampire? That's a good point. So is it like an X-shaped sword? Yeah, essentially. I Or the metal that kills them also leaves that scar. How does the Phoenix Stone connect? That puts them in the Phoenix Stone. Like if they die that way, they get put in the Phoenix Stone. Is the Phoenix Stone like a part of that weapon? Or like it could be a part of that weapon? Or is the Phoenix Stone just like, you need to hold it? Do you need to do a spell? Or is it like automatic? I was assuming it was just automatic, but maybe it is like connected to the sword. Maybe the Phoenix Stone also gives it its power to kill a vampire in that way let's say you stick the phoenix stone in the hilt well not in the hilt in the handle the hilt is the blade i think i have no idea anyway i don't know i just wanted to prove that i knew the word hilt but i don't know the word hilt so i said <laughs> so, it for nothing so all good so all good so great i look amazing but so you put the stone in the handle and then when you stab the sword that gives it enough power to suck that vampire soul into the stone okay sure where do you think this sword is right now then i think someone is holding on to it Maybe that's what Julian's looking for. Who do you think is holding on to it? Whoever the sexy lady was shooting at Damon and Stefan. Okay. Rick says, did you just remember this? <laughs> <laughs> he obviously doesn't deliver it like this, but it's like, girl, you waited till you were literally like a second from dying to remember useful information. <laughs> she says, I also remembered my name. I think I'm Florence. Well, girl, where's the machine? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, darling. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I will say, though, so you know at this point, um, Candace King is pregnant. The baby she has around this time is named Florence. I do, I do know her daughter's name because I love Candace King. Rick says, nice to meet you, Florence. I am so sorry I put you through this. And they're crying. They're both sad. She says, it's okay. I know you want your wife back, and I'm sorry I'm not her. I wish I was. She was a lucky woman. You would have been an amazing husband. And during this conversation... Caroline is watching it and I'm like, girl, no, don't, don't, don't internalize this. Absolutely not. No, ignore that. This bitch know what she's talking about. She didn't even know her name until two seconds ago. Yeah, don't trust her. <laughs> Rick cries and he says, it's been so nice to hear her voice again. Thank you for allowing me to say goodbye. She says goodbye, Rick. She dies. You can see the life leave her eyes. He cries and kisses her forehead. It's very sad. And I will say Matt Davis is doing some great acting in this scene. Uh, much as I want him shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked he was able to poop out any tears when he knew it, he was going to get a young girlfriend right yeah. after this. <laughs> they kept doing takes where he was like smiling and cheering. And they said, <laughs> Matt, you gotta cry. You gotta cry. And Jody Little Keith acting. I don't know how she makes it look like the life leaves your eyes like that. She's so good. We go over to the high school where Matt and Bonnie are investigating what's going on. He's got a flashlight. It's dark. There's a lot of Dutch angle shots, so you know it's drama. There's some rattling, and then we see the guy from earlier walking by with one of those, like, IV bags that's on a stand, you know, that rolls. Matt says, hey, what are you doing here? But the guy just keeps walking past them. They follow him, and there's a classroom full of people with IV bags. They're all, like, sitting down next to their IV bags, and the IV bags are, like, clear, and they're all, like, looking pretty blank. And Matt says, okay, everybody. 
please stand up. We're going to get you out of here, okay? No one moves. Don't you think if they could get up, they would? Like, why would they be sitting here? There's not even anything playing on, like, the TV. Yeah. Matt snaps his fingers in front of one of them. Bonnie says, it's not going to work, Matt. Someone compelled them to be here. We go over to Lurk's apartment. Valerie is watching the wedding video, but it's the aftermath of Kai's attack. And the Geminis are doing a spell, which we knew they did at the time. Rick walks in and Caroline says, oh, do you want to use the white sheet or the off-white? Presumably to put over Joe. (laughs) And Rick says, I don't care, you choose. And he goes to Valerie and he says, hey, what are you doing? And Caroline says, what is that? And Rick says, it's my wedding video post-explosion. I've never been able to watch it past the wedding vows. And Caroline says, okay, Valerie, please turn that off. She's like, Valerie, now you're playing this video? Valerie says, quiet. I recognize this chant. That Gemini kid Kai thought they were sending him to a prison world. They weren't sending him away. They were trying to save the next generation of Gemini twins. I think your babies are still alive, which you did think. I did think. You were losing a little bit of confidence about it. I was, I was, but I still stuck by it. You didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really think and I you did. you go back and listen, you're like, maybe one baby lives. Because I only knew one name. But then you knew, I mean, you knew that the two, we had seen the two toddlers. So you, but you weren't even convinced those were those babies. Yeah. You thought they might be entirely new babies. I was confused. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> it was a lot going on. <laughs> it, was, it was hard for you. We go over to the Lockwood house. Stefan and Damon return home. And Stefan says, he's still alive, so I don't know what you're moping about. What do you mean you don't know? It's It was a bad night all around. Yeah. Damon says, no talking until I'm seeing two of you, and then I'll kick both your asses. And he chugs some bourbon. <laughs> and Damon says, this is why there is a hard line between good and evil, Stefan. I don't cross over into your territory. Don't cross over into mine. <laughs> and Stefan says, this isn't about you, Damon. Get over it. And Damon says, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but I miss the days when you just let your big brother handle all the dirty work. And quite frankly, I can't understand why you have such a big beef with this guy. Unless V-Curd Valerie got under your skin. I mean, Damon is very clearly trying to, like, bait Stefan. Because he's like, clearly you're hiding something from me, so, and you don't want to tell it to me, so I'm going to have to force it out. Stefan says, you don't want to start with me right now, Damon. And Damon says, I'm surprised. I thought Caroline was the one. Then again, we all thought Elena was the one, huh? gagged i know he kind of got him there and he says (laughs) what is it about the first time that just makes it so memorable and then stefan fights damon a little bit and then stefan realizes he needs to admit something and so he says i got valerie pregnant and you know great job stefan for telling this to the most important person first oh wait that's not what you did you decided to tell your brother before you told Caroline, and it doesn't seem like you have any inclination to follow up with Caroline, who, by the way, yeah. already knows, or she doesn't know, but she knows something's up because Valerie's rubbing it in her damn face because you have been encouraging Valerie. Let's be uh-huh. honest. Yeah. Yep. 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 Damon says, what the what? <laughs> <laughs> Stefan says, in 1863, Julian found out about it and he beat her till the baby was no longer alive. I could have been a father. Damon says, why didn't you just tell me that? And Stefan says, what did you want me to do? To tell you I could have had a kid and watch you brush it off with some glib joke about how it was 150 years ago? Mind you, what we did last week. Exactly how I acted. (laughs) And and I'd do it again. And I continue to do it. I did it at the beginning of this episode. Talking about his dumbass dream. (laughs) Exactly. Stefan says, yeah, I know it was 150 years ago. And it's stupid how much it affects me, but it still does. 
you need to learn how to deal with your emotions, Steph. And I know that's, you know, that's water is wet, but <laughs> like, I just, Stefan says, I want him dead, Damon. No one's going to stop me from killing him. Not in six months, not in six weeks now, except a lot of people actually did stop you from killing him tonight because he's still alive. We go back over to Alaric's apartment. Valerie unrolls a map and she says, twins are the lifeblood of the Gemini coven. If a pregnant mother is in danger, then the transfer is our magical failsafe. It's rarely used, but it's used nonetheless. And Caroline says, Rick, tell me this isn't crazy. And Rick says, my wife, who died months ago, just looked me in the eyes and said goodbye to me. Why the hell not? Sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're Rick, what do you have to lose from listening to this? He already thought the babies were dead. Well, and he already tried to get his wife back and failed. So sure, let's try for the babies now. Why not? Caroline says, because I don't want you to get your hopes up for something that's insane. Valerie says, okay, Rick, I need your blood. She cuts Rick's hand and drops um, some blood. She says, okay, drop it here. Indonesia, furthest geographical point from Mystic Falls. Your progeny are obviously made up of your DNA. If they're alive, the blood will travel along the map. Once it's in proximity of the babies, the map should ignite. Close your eyes, clear your mind. She starts the spell, and the blood does start to become a circle, so it's clearly getting ready to move. Then we go over to the Lockwood house. Damon sits with Stefan, and Stefan says, let me ask you something. Did Julian remind you of anyone in particular tonight? And Damon says, the almighty Giuseppe Salvatore. You saw it too. And Stefan says, yep, although I will say, Julian's right hook has got a little more heft to it. Giuseppe's like, man, fuck these kids. (laughs) Giuseppe, you are not shit. (laughs) Of course you remind you of Giuseppe. It's your mom's boyfriend who beat your ass. Yeah, pretty on the nose. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Damon says, you know, Elena and I talked about starting a family. I mean, it was fantasy, but still. We secretly knew as long as she was a vampire, that's all it was. And then she took the cure. And all of a sudden, having a real family was a possibility. Granted, it would be dysfunctional as hell, but we'd have a real human family. Stefan says, did it ever scare you, the thought you'd turn out like our father? And Damon says, the guy sent our mom away to die alone. He bullied us for years, and then he shot us. If anything, I just want to be a great dad to spite him. And I do believe, one thing about Damon, spite is actually a very useful motivator for him. Spite does not help Stefan, but spite does help Damon. Well, and that's the thing. At least Damon is smart enough to admit like, yeah, I am worried about doing that, but I hate him so much. I would fi- I would fight around it. You know, Stefan is just asking this question. Like you should be scared of that because that's how the human condition works. But you should be like, if you think you want to be a parent so bad, you should be thinking that through. And I mean, Giuseppe was such a bad dad that I find it hard to believe either of them could stoop to that level with that awareness and having been alive as long as they are. Mm -hmm. Damon says, what about you? And Stefan says, well, I've been on this earth for 160 some odd years. I've seen the world at 30,000 feet. You mean you've been on a plane? I I took this to mean like he's been alive long enough. He's seen it all. He's got a bird's eye view. Sure. I've traveled to every continent and learned how to cook. Learning how to cook and traveling to every continent, eat similar difficulty levels. And then built a Porsche. So, and these are, so I understand like it's, we can't get into all the specifics he's done, but these are like things that plenty of people do in one singular lifetime. Yeah. Like, or even just say like, I've, you know, lived multiple lifetimes. I've lived multiple lives. I've been a serial killer. I've been like, it just feels like, okay. But then he says, I think my only regret would be not having a kid. I think this is a problem in general, which we've talked about on teen dramas before, that like 
make childbearing like the most meaningful thing anybody can do and like the apex of a human life and like having a baby and I think it's just like a little bit reductive to make like having a child like the one goal that will make these people's lives have meaning because the whole point of this show all like one of the many points of this show is like family is what you make it and I think it's just interesting that it's so traditionalist in that way and again this is the other again the other problem with Valerie is like Seeing Stefan learn to deal with being involved maybe as a parent of kids who aren't necessarily his, I just think that's a very interesting obstacle for Mm -hmm. Starline as a couple to tackle that doesn't deal with Valerie's ass. When it does seem like they always were saying the Vampire Diaries is a love story and the originals is like a family story. Yeah. And it feels like they're seeing interest in the originals and they're like, let's bring the family aspect here, which... It is in many ways a family story as well as a love story. But so that feels like a push that's unnecessary. And then it's this other trope of TV. And, I, you know, maybe this is more common in people, but this has always bothered me on TV of like this need to look for birth parents, this need to have biological children. Like if you care enough about being a parent in that way, like it should not matter if it's your biological child or not. And this is yeah. beef I have with. Well, that's a general trope I have beef with. And yeah, yeah. How people view children as, you know, commodities to have that make them their full self. That complete their lives rather than human beings they bring into the world. And I do think you're right to compare it to the originals because although you don't know really what happens on the originals, you do know it starts with the baby. The sort of inciting incident is Haley being pregnant with Klaus's child, a biological child. Let's also face it, you know, you know that legacies centers around that child from the originals. Mm -hmm. It stands to reason that Julie Pleck would like to set up a new generation because she wants those CW checks, baby. Yeah, and it makes sense to have a generation of children related across the shows to really build this extensive universe. Yeah. So she wanted to start getting some babies out in some way. And it helped that Candace was pregnant in her real life. Yeah. Damon says, if you want Julian dead, I'll help you. Tomorrow, tonight, now, I'm in. See, now, if only we had had this conversation before the party, you could have killed Julian tonight because Damon would have been participating. Well, and Damon wouldn't have wasted time staking him in the stomach, by the way. Because he doesn't have a personal vendetta. He just wants to make his mom annoyed. Well, that's the thing. We've said this before. The personal vendetta always slows you down. And it's not like this is new information. So it would have been productive for Stefan to say, hey, this is why I want Julian dead, but I recognize that's a personal vendetta. And I think you would be more efficient at killing him. Yeah, But he has a personal vendetta, so he wants to be the one to kill him, which is an issue. Exactly. We go over to the Salvatore house. Julian, Lily, seen yawn alert. Literally, so boring. And Julian is looking at his scar, or where his scar was. Lily comes in and she says, uh, what the hell happened down there? You were in a blind rage. And he says, I know, it was, it was me in a blind rage is what happened. And he said, I was mad. He says, rage? We offered them escargot and wine. First of all, where was the escargot? I only saw the meat and cheese wheels. Yeah, I only heard about pinwheels. <laughs> and maybe you offered them wine, but it's wine from their house. Yeah, you offered them escargot and wine in a house you stole from them. So it doesn't really balance out. Yeah. He says, and your boy threw me in a fire. So he's lucky he still has his head. <laughs> Lily says, they were just trying to hurt me. Actually, that's not true. They were trying to hurt him. Yeah. She says, look, the whole point of tonight was to end this feud, not start a new one. He says, 
Why do you care what they think? The Lily I remember moved on from her children. Where's the girl I fell in love with? The girl I found irresistible. I can't say I recognize this woman. He said, where's the girl who doesn't give a fuck about her kids? That's who I want. He said, I don't want somebody's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Lily says, this version has no desire to see her children dead. So if you have a problem with that, we have a problem. Which is like, oh, okay, interesting. Change motivations again. Well, it's like, I I read this as like, I don't really want to care about them, but I don't want you to kill them. But it's also like, what are you seeing in this dude? Honestly. Julian says, Lily, perhaps I am more affected by my time away than I wanted to admit. I was wishing the hell had gone away, but my mind is not right. The truth is, I'm frightened that I'm not the Julian you remember. I'm frightened that you're the same dude. Oh, the one who beat a baby out of a woman. That's yeah. who you're worried that you're not? Oh, hell made you worse? Oh, great. Awesome. He cries. Keep crying, bitch. <laughs> who fucking who? Yeah. Lily says, we'll fix it together, all right? But you must promise me nothing like that will ever happen again. Well, this was so funny because when I was reading the closed captioning, I thought it said, well, fix it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been so much more iconic. I thought it, she was like, pull it together. Yeah. I already have two sons I don't want. Don't make yourself act like another child. He nods, but he doesn't really promise anything. Yeah. And he says, well, in the meantime, I need to feel safe. Your kids will strike again and I need to protect myself. I've got a great solution. Leave fucking town. Yeah, go anywhere else. They will not bother you if you're not in their home. Yeah. Or they will, but it will take them longer. Yeah. Lily says... What I believe you have in mind will take the cooperation of the entire family. And he says, it will. But I don't anticipate that to be a problem. They love me. What do you think he has in mind? I'm guessing like spelling it so he's like hard to kill. Sure. Or like spelling the house shut or something. Yeah. Too bad you have one less fucking witch. And also you have another witch on their side who decidedly wants you dead. So, you know, keep dreaming, King. Dare to dream. We go back over to Alaric's apartment. Valerie's spell continues, but now the blood is moving. It's moving toward the U.S. on a map, but then it moves past Virginia. Yeah, because I'm like, obviously, this is going to Mystic Falls, and then it moves off, and I'm like, oh, because they don't want us to know where we're Yeah. (laughs) Caroline says, I don't think it's working, guys. And then the blood goes to the edge of the table where Caroline is and drops onto the floor. And Caroline says, okay, stop. The spell isn't working. The blood's just off the map now. And Valerie clocks where it went. Yeah. And Caroline says, see, I warned you not to get your hopes up. And she goes to wipe the blood. And then it catches on fire when she touches it. Mm -hmm. Because we'll remember that Valerie said that when it finds where the babies are, it will ignite. Mm -hmm. And Rick says, whoa, what the hell happened? And Valerie is looking at Caroline. She says, oh, not possible. And Rick says, what's not possible? Valerie says, the babies, they're here. And Caroline says, okay, where? Floating in a raft on, in the Pacific Ocean somewhere? Look at the map. Your spell didn't fucking work. And Valerie says, they're not on the map, Caroline. They're inside of you. Gag. Gag. Meanwhile, those babies have fetal alcohol syndrome because no one told her she was pregnant. <laughs> and that is where we end the episode. So let's talk about this. Do you think Valerie is right that the babies are in Caroline? Yeah. I think we're we're moving forward with that, which, I mean, I've said it. I've seen clips of Candace pregnant on the show. It is crazy that, you know, the Geminis put it into a vampire, but also, like, they knew all the Geminis were going to die, 
and they couldn't put it in Elena because she was going to leave the show. So like if you think about the Gemini's, Caroline really was the only option to put it in. Maybe they just did a transfer spell and they're like, and they didn't have any control over where it went. They were just floating in the ether and then ran into Caroline. And obviously none of this really matters because obviously this was written in because Candace is pregnant. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How do you think this is going to go? I mean, we know that eventually Caroline gets engaged to Alaric and they eventually clearly have these babies because we've seen the babies. Yeah. What do you predict is up for the pregnancy? Will this affect Steriline? What's the deal here? I mean, I think it'll affect Steriline. I do think with Stefan's little thing, he'll be like, oh, I want to be their dad. And it's like, they already have a dad. You're actually not involved in this at all. Do you think Alaric is going to treat Caroline kind of as their mother or as like a surrogate? I think he'll end up end up seeing her as the mother. And I think Caroline will also be attached to these kids mm-hmm. because, you know, you give birth to them and it's not like you're going to stop seeing these kids and this person. So I do think it will end up being a little bit more murky than just like a surrogate thing. Also because the relationships are murky everywhere. They're all kind of, you know, connected in interesting ways, whatever. And so I'm assuming that, you know, these babies bring them together. And I hope it just doesn't bring them two together. Let's say that. Let's say that. What do you expect about these babies now? Will they have any powers when they're born, being in a vampire, or what's the deal? I assume they'll come out as witches. Like, I assume this is as similar to a surrogacy as possible, that they're still, like, the same babies that were in Joe and just literally transplanted over. Okay. So I assume that there's, you know, that they are kind of the continuation of the Gemini line. But who's going to tell them they have to kill one of them has to kill the other one? Yeah, who's going to make a merge? Also, since there's no Gemini coven, what's the merge for? Yeah, so maybe they won't have to merge. But that's, you know, way down the line. The other thing I wanted to ask is what's up with the people in the school, all the like catatonic IV bag people? Who's putting them there? What are they there for? There are a number of questions to touch on that would lead to an answer to what they're doing there. They're at the school. They're clearly compelled to go to the school and not allowed to remember why. The IV bag is clear. I'm assuming that it's like nutrients and stuff to keep them alive, but maybe there's like morphine in there to keep them catatonic. But someone has to be changing these IV bags semi-regularly. I guess probably Bo. Yeah. Because he's doing all the errands. Because I figure this has to be related to the heretics. I do think it's a, you know, it would be an awful quick turnaround for Julian to do this on his own. Mm -hmm. But this also seems based on what we saw this week. And of course it can change because Lily's personality is always changing. But this seems to be against her hope for the town unless the idea is to create like essentially zombie people to make it peaceful. A peaceful town of blood bags. Yeah, exactly. So that's the other option. The other possibility, again, because it's clear IVs, a clear IV could very well be Vervain. They seem compelled, but we can't get rid of the possibility that maybe they're turning people into vampires and then they're like spelled to act this way. That's a good point. But I think they're more likely humans who are being, you know, used for some purpose, most likely by Julian. Sure. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week. Goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.